Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Good to be here once again for our Wednesday night plug-in service. Good to have another opportunity to minister the word. Uh, never take these things lightly. I know God humbles me in that regard uh, every time that I uh, have this opportunity to just to meet him in the word, just to study, um, just to ask him to reveal his heart to me for this people, for this church, um, as I bring the word every month here. Um, of course, anytime I come up here, um, of course, I got to give thanks to the Lord just for this opportunity, for speaking to me, for being a part of my life, for being this, uh, this role here of an assistant pastor. I never take this for granted either. Um, it's uh, just more and more humbling each month that comes by just in this role. It's a learning experience. It's fun. Uh, it's just an awesome, uh, awesome, awesome time with me and uh, Pastor Desiree. Also, I have to thank my wife as well, my helpmate. Um, just always uh, a great time when I get to study the Word just because I can always bounce things off of her. We can have these like theological conversations at 11 o'clock at night, and she entertains me. I mean, she, she'll stay up till 1 in the morning, and get some coffee going, we'll stay up all night. I don't know. But uh, she uh, she runs these by me and makes sure that I'm not pre- preaching false doctrine. I'm not going to lead people to uh, Pluto or something like that. Uh, but she keeps me grounded here, so I'm thankful to have a helpmate that I do and my wife, Desiree. But with that being said, guys, let's go ahead and get into the word tonight. We're going to pray just to see what God has for us here. I am excited to bring this. So, Father, we just come to you tonight. We just thank you so much for your presence in our lives, your goodness, Father, everything that makes you, you, Father. And we're just so glad to be in your house tonight, Lord. We just ask that you meet us in this time, Father, of the word. I just pray, Lord, over everything you've prepared here, all the scriptures you pointed me to, every point that you've made here, Father. These aren't my points, Father, but these are yours, Father. I'm just your vessel to extend and exalt your name. So I just pray, Lord, let us hear the voice behind the voice, Father. I pray, Lord, against distractions for this time, this moment, Father. Let us just, Father, be revealed, Father God, to you, Father God. Let us just uh, be sponges to you, Father. So let us absorb everything that you have for us here tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to hear. Of course, uh, the year's still fresh. Uh, It's still got that New Year smell. You know, just like when you buy a car off the dealership, you got the new car smell. You can get as an air freshener if you got a 1998. You can make it smell new again. But we still got that New Year smell going on. About two weeks into the New Year, 2023. And uh, oftentimes, we people are thankful for New Year's. Um, It's an exciting time. Of course, the age-old tradition is New Year's resolutions. Some of you love them. Some of you are just annoyed by them. But all in all, you hear them every year. You see it at the gym. People take it as an opportunity to become a better version of themselves at the gym. Um, Of course, the whole saying is New Year, New Me. That's something that is just uh, prevalent in our culture. Um, also it could be something where maybe you're looking to spend some better quality time with people around you. You're looking to develop some better habits, perhaps. Maybe you want to be a better steward of your finances. Maybe you want to save up to go on a trip this year. Uh, maybe you want to have more opportunities to, uh, have adventures with your family or have adventures out in the open without being away from technology. 
So these are all some great resolutions here, but in the midst of all of them, um, my hope is that you begin to thank the Lord for a new year with him and have started to see God's will for your life this year. See, the greatest thing we can look to maintain in our lives every day, every week, every month, and every year as we have is our relationship with the Lord. We are beginning of another year of His presence in our lives. But we must come to realize, however, if His presence is to stay in our lives, if it's to remain, we must sustain our love for Him. And so that's the title of my message tonight, A Sustained Love. Um, it is on the Bible app tonight. I was for, able to get that up for you guys. So if you want to follow along with the scriptures and bullet points, we are on the Bible app. Or if you listen to this later on in the podcast, you can follow along with all the scriptures and such. But first, let's define what the word sustain means. Um, sometimes we can look at words like this and think we have an idea of it. But when we look at the dictionary, we find a more profound meaning to it. And this word in particular, sustain, is going to have multiple meanings for us tonight. Um, and so sustain is a verb. It means first to give support or relief to. Second definition here is to supply with sustenance, which is a means of support, maintenance, endurance, or strength. Um, another way of saying this is to, is to nourish, uh, to keep up, prolong, uh, to support the weight of, and then lastly, to carry or withstand a weight or pressure. Um, this realization of having a sustained love for our Father came to me recently. Um, we had our first ever uh, Saturday morning prayer for the year, uh, just this past weekend. And during the course of the morning, uh, one of the songs I was playing, it's called Coming Behold by Upper Room. Um, it was playing and the Holy Spirit highlighted this specific part to me. And I love how beautifully illustrated it was with one of the vocalist's words at the end. It's just him pouring out his love to the Lord. But what he says here is this, um, I can stare at you for years and years on end. And my hair can turn gray when you find me still looking at you. God, when I'm old and gray, I'll still see your face. Now, some of us here are already in that season of our lives, and that's a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, those are some goals right there for uh, everyone here just to have a sustained love for the Lord for the rest of our lives. Um, but God brought this fresh desire to spend a lifetime with the Lord, and it stayed with me ever since that moment just a few days ago. And so we should have this same desire in our lives to sustain our love for the Father and all of who He is. Someone say, all of who He is. You see, it's the Lord's desire for us to spend a lifetime with Him and an eternity with Him in heaven. Um, we're going to get into tonight's scriptures that we're going to be focusing on tonight. We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 6, uh, so we can learn about a sustained love. And so if we go down to verses uh, 25, uh, we're going to go all the way to 59 here, but we're going to start for 25, and we're going to read a few verses at a time. Um, earlier in this chapter... Um, Jesus is coming off of his miracle, first and foremost, the, uh, the one that we probably know a lot about, uh, the miracle feeding the 5,000, and that was with just five loaves of bread, two fishes, I don't know if he made fish sandwiches, you know, it's kind of like the early beginnings of Long John Silvers, I don't know what he did, but he made it happen. So he did that, and then he also walked on the sea just earlier en route to Capernaum. And so uh, many of those 5,000, though, are, are coming up to him, the ones that were there and part of that crowd, still in the maze. Um, they ended up following him as they ended up happening with the crowds. Um, and so they were intently following him. They wanted to see what he was going to do next. And so as we get to verse 25 here, um, they're just coming to come like, hey, Jesus, there you are, Rabbi. Man, we've been looking all over for you. Miss anything? Uh, did you... Uh, Turn some water into some Kool-Aid. You got something going here for me. What's next here? You're going to make my pigs fly. I don't know. But Jesus 
catches them right here in verse 25, and he truly sees what's in their hearts. He, he sees where their true intentions are. Um, so in verse 26, it starts off here. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. The first thing we must recognize when it comes to our love for the Lord, it's not in the things that he does for us, but in the nature of who he is. Say that again. So it's not in what he does for us. It's not in all the things that he provides for us, but it's in who he is, who his character is to us. You see, the crowd was so caught up in the idea of getting their bellies full and not taking out the kids for dinner that night that they couldn't look at the man himself who made it happen. The crowd, this crowd was not only enamored with the food that was given to them there. Um, you're going to see them talk about the manna from heaven. They're talking about their ancestors in the desert. Um, they were so even so enamored with that idea then, but they're enamored with this bre physical bread that was given to them. But even uh, earlier, they were enamored with the idea of someone that could overthrow the Roman oppressors. Um, if you look earlier in verse 14, and uh, we're not going to read this here, but it mentions that they were basically ready to force Jesus to become that king for them, to, the, to fight the good fight for them, and to be that political figure in their lives. Uh, at that point, that's where he had to excuse himself. So that's why he went to the sea, he, he performed the miracle of walking on the sea. But at that point, they were just focused on the material goods or the physical things that God could do in that moment. And honestly, we can find ourselves acting in the same fashion today if we're not careful. Sometimes it's just something that happens involuntarily. We just start getting into this mode and this uh, development. Um, and before we know it, we're just focusing on, on just the physical things just because that's what we can see. Um, and some of these things are good. These are reasonable things to love. You know, we, we love to have a good home, something warm to go home to. We love having a reliable way of getting around, a good, reliable car. Hey, if it has CarPlay, and Apple, and Android Auto, I don't know, uh, all these cool little gadgets and stuff, um, then that's just even better. Or clothes we like to wear, we like to go shopping. Uh, everything else, you can fill in the blank here. There's just multiple things that we love here as people. However... Jesus goes on here to, in verse 27 as we get back into our scriptures. In verse 27, it says, Not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And so what he means by that, by set his seal, is that this is a seal from God the Father. This is a guarantee from him, an endorsement in Jesus Christ that lets us know that what he provides will sustain us indeed. It's not just the physical things or the temporary things that will sustain us, but the things that edify our souls, like his word and living the way that he shows us to live. Those are the things that are going to sustain us throughout our lives. Because how many know these things can fade away? You know, we have these old rumors of the iPhones where they, they're going to expire after two years. You know, the battery starts slowing down. You know, your car starts breaking down after it hits 200,000 miles. Uh, your home eventually, uh, you got to do some renovations and repairs, just things to keep it going here so all of these things are temporary but what god wants to do in our lives the way that he wants to transform us the way that he wants to move in our lives those are the things that are going to sustain us for life can someone say amen, amen. and so while the crowds continue to place their faith and belief in the physical in verses 30 and 34 um, just you can read that exchange there um, just as we go along but i'm going to be focusing a little bit ahead on verses 35 through 40 and ultimately, he says, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Can someone say amen to that? For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so we'll pause right there with the scriptures, but church... Jesus is the one who sustains us first and foremost. He's the one that gives us the support and relief. We were talking about the definition of sustain there, and that was one of the definitions, to give support or relief to. Well, Jesus is that for us. He sustains us in that way. He gives us the strength to keep on, and he carries the weight of us. Jesus uses metaphor, calling himself the bread of life. And Jesus honestly did this from time to time, and it confused people to no end. But he uses this metaphor, the bread of life, because while something like bread will sustain us for a moment, Jesus came so that he could sustain us for a lifetime. Verse 40 confirms this, saying that our faith in him will sustain us for this life and the next life with him. So now that we've established what Jesus has become to be for us, and we know that he's going to be this bread of life for us, we have to ask ourselves what we're going to do with these words he's spoken with us here. We, if it is to commit our lives to the Lord, if that's what we're going to do, then we need to know uh, some answers to a few questions here. So first and foremost, how do we sustain our love for God throughout the years? How do we get to that old and gray? How do we get to that finish line, that the good fight, just Jesus, uh, Lord, saying, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into eternity with me. How do we get to that point of our lives? First and foremost, it starts by having communion with him. And so this is, has multiple meanings as well. Jesus mentions up front in John 6, 35, um, if we can go back right there to verse 35, it says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. That's the important word right there. Whoever comes to me, not whoever thinks of me, not who considers me, but whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So what this is, what Jesus is saying right here, it's an invitation he's given to each and every one of us here tonight. He's inviting us to be part of our lives. He wants us to be included in our daily rhythms. He wants us to seek him out in prayer. He wants him to be a part of our lives and to listen to what he's saying to us and how he's directing our lives. And ultimately, he wants us to trust and obey him. And so that's the first part of communion. It's just that, that daily rhythm that we have, everything that we got going on, we, whether it's getting ready for work, getting the kids ready for school, getting something on the table for dinner, everything. But having Jesus included in the midst of that, making room for the Lord in our lives, making sure that he has his place consistently in our lives. And so that's the first form of communion. The second form of communion is what you actually think. It's the regular partaking of actual communion. Um, we recently took communion on New Year's Day here at PCLV, and this is one of the greatest ways we can sustain our love for Him. It's doing this in remembrance of Him and His sacrifice for us. Uh, Jesus mentions this, I believe, for the first time in this same chapter that we're looking at in John 6, uh, 53 through 58. And so He brings this whole metaphor about eating of His flesh, drinking of His blood, and this is something that is 
insane to everyone hearing it in the moment. They're thinking that Jesus is going cannibalistic here. They refuse to understand what he's talking about, even though he's clearly saying this is a metaphor for him and his body and his blood that covers a multitude of sins. And so while the crowds didn't understand that at the time, understanding this now so we can partake in communion uh, just the right way helps us sustain our love for him and our faith in him. Um, we're going to turn a little bit ahead to 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 through 26, because uh, Paul writes about Jesus leading the disciples in communion during the Last Supper. Um, he breaks it down like this in verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of of me. Someone say, in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, as we end there in verse 26. And so we look at the bread first and foremost. The bread that we take symbolizes the body that he sacrificed on the cross for our sins. In the only way that it could have been done. Uh, we've been studying this in EHD, this one instance where Jesus was fully human, where he had that real moment, where he pleaded with the Father, if there's any other way that can be, this be done. And he pleaded with the Father multiple times. But finally, the Father confirmed, no, this is the way that it has to be done. And ultimately, when we take of that bread, we're remembering of that sacrifice, those lashes that he took for us, that hanging on the cross, being pierced for our sins. That's what we remember there with the blood. While as the blood is the covering of our sins with this new covenant. I ministered about this last month, I believe, but this new covenant that we have where it purifies our heart with the salvation that we receive in the Lord, that it, it's such completely different from what was done in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, where we're talking about the animal sacrifices, the religious activities and rituals that we had to do in the past in order to be made whole with God. The things that were done, although they only cleaned our hands, they never really touched our hearts and never changed us the way that God wanted to change us and make us better and transform us in His love. And so when we do take of communion, we are realizing that, man, we have this, this Savior that sacrificed himself for us, but also has provided this blood for us so that way we can be changed in the way that we have never known and that can never understand. But Jesus often invites us to do this in remembrance of him. And in doing so, it's that our love for him is renewed. And so, like I mentioned first, the first way that we sustain our love is by having communion with him, either daily, just in our rhythms, um, or by the actual act of partaking in communion. Um, you can do this at any time. It's not just an Easter thing. It's not just a New Year's thing. It's not just a Christmas thing. Do this as often as you drink it, as the Bible says right there in 1 Corinthians. The second way that you sustain your love for Him throughout the years is by growing in your understanding of Him. Um, I mentioned earlier about how the crowds encountering Jesus after he performed his miracle and fishes were enamored with their idea of who God was, or who Jesus was. They were uh, enamored with what they wanted him to be rather than knowing the true identity and characteristics of who he actually was. They were focused on the idea of more food and of a king that would overthrow the Romans. Um, you see here, if we cannot recognize this for ourselves and look to the Lord 
more than just a means to an end, uh, to, rather than a perfect savior to pattern our lives after. We're going to develop an immature, underdeveloped idea of the Lord. And our love for him is not going to last. If we have the wrong idea of the Lord, what happens is that we can either just try to make him fit what we want him to be and get frustrated when he doesn't fit the bill for something that he never said he was going to be for us. Or we can spend enough time in his presence that we try to convince ourselves that we understand God, that we got it all figured out, that we got the whole book of Jesus right here. We can try to read this as many times. We can spend as much time here in church. We can spend as much time in prayer. We can ultimately convince ourselves where it's like, all right, Jesus, I got you figured out. I got your number. I know what you're doing. Even when you throw this and that, I got you numbered. Um, There's a quote here that's profound here just to challenge that thought. St. Augustine said this once, if you understand, it's not God. Think about that. I'll say that again. If you understand, it is not God. Part of growing in our understanding of the Lord is that we will never have a full understanding of the Lord. His ways are not our own. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's in these unknown and misunderstood times of our lives that God uses to change us in ways that can only be done during these times of our lives. These times transform us in God's love so that way we can give that same love back to Him and to others around us. Uh, we have to learn what Paul learned in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. It's of another familiar portion of scripture. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. Of course, in verse 13, it says, For I can do everything, someone say everything, through Christ who gives me strength. And so when, of course, we know when he says everything, it's not to say like, oh, I can win the lottery through Christ, you know, or I can jump off a building through Christ. I can do this or that through Christ. But we can get through every circumstance of our lives, every wall that we face in our lives through Christ. Can someone say amen to that? So let these walls that we face be in our lives be the growth opportunity we need to sustain our love for him and grow in our relationship with him. Sometimes we look through these storms of our lives, these seasons of our lives. Sometimes it's not something that lasts just a weekend. Sometimes it's not a thing that lasts a week. Sometimes we go through these walls in our lives, and this is just another thing I'm throwing out for free from EHD. But this is something where sometimes these walls in our lives can last years even. You know, just going through some hardships, some real situations in our lives, whether it's a... uh, a, a divorce, whether it's something of a loss of a child, a disconnection, a cutoff from a family member, um, these walls that seem like they're never going to end. But God has used these things. He allows those op- those moments in our lives, these seasons of our lives, not to harm us, not because he wants to see us suffer, but he wants to change us in the ways that are only going to take this, as I mentioned. Sometimes we can be in the midst of it. We don't know when it's going to end. But ultimately, once we get to the other side of that wall, then we can see what God was trying to show us in those moments there. And we can be transformed by his love. And so, as I mentioned earlier, first, we sustain our love by having communion with him daily and taking the, uh, of partaking of communion. Secondly, we sustain our love by growing in understanding of him. 
And then lastly here, we, grow, we sustain our love by maintaining intimacy with him. Um, oftentimes, as we know, we grow in love with those we spend the most time with. Um, our love for Jesus grows as we spend time with him as well. Uh, we have someone in the Lord that has an unconditional and everlasting love for us. Of course, Psalms 136, 26, uh, there's songs about this. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Uh, this is demonstrated even further as Paul reminds us of his great love for us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God saw something in us, even in the midst of our sins. He loved us regardless. So as the Lord shows this love for us, this, this unconditional love, this everlasting love, this never-changing love, uh, one of the ways that we can fall more in love with Him is within our times of personal worship or corporate worship here in this house. Um, John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24, earlier in the book of John, um, Jesus mentioned th mentions this, but he says in 23, But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Someone say in spirit, in spirit. and say in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Verse 24 says, For God is spirit, so those who will worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He says it twice for us. That way we make sure we know it's important. You get to get the emphasis in spirit and in truth. When we worship in spirit and in truth, we're loving him with all of us. Let me break down that phrase here as far as in spirit and truth. We can say it, we can sing it, uh, but just to really understand what that means. In spirit and in truth means is we're giving, we're loving him with all of us. Everything that we have, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all that we have. That's the spirit part that he's talking about. We're loving him from deep inside within here. We're not giving him a surface kind of love. We're not giving him a love that goes through the motions. We're loving him with everything that we have. We're giving him our full attention. We're giving him our full focus in those moments. And when we're, of course, when we're worshiping in truth, we're meaning it. We're not second-guessing the Lord. We're not just giving a love that doubts. We're giving a love that believes in him. We're putting our faith and hope in the Lord when we worship him that way. We also fall in love with him by reading his word that he's giving us. Pastor Art has just been going over this series about driven by passion. And one of the things that drives our passions, the second point that he mentioned, is by reading his word daily. This is the word that sustains us. This is why he's given it to us. He's given this as a means to stay alive, keep our spirits alive throughout these years. He gives us encouragements. He gives us the word. He gives us direction through the scriptures here. So this is one of the other ways that we do fall in love with them. When we see something that uh, motivates us, that reaches out to us, that touches us in those walls of our lives that I mentioned earlier, ultimately what we must recognize is that our sustained love for him also sustains us in return. The love that we sustain will also sustains us. So as I close tonight, my hope is that we can develop a love for the Lord that lasts for years and years on end. Part of that happens when we do see Jesus as that bread of life, as he calls himself in John 6 that I mentioned earlier. Um, and that bread of life that Jesus Christ is, that's going to sustain us in our life over that time in our lives and through every season of our lives. If we're going to see his goodness throughout time, um, if we're going to sustain a love for Christ truly, 
then it does take, first and foremost, our daily communion with Him and those actual times of communion. It does take us growing in our understanding of Him, and it does take developing a more intimate, a more spiritually and emotionally mature relationship with Him and trusting Him with all parts of our lives. Someone say all parts, not just some parts. I mean, sometimes we, uh, you know, we of course get the, uh, the, the real hurts and the, the real emotions that we feel when someone wrongs us. Uh, we can feel that it's hard to trust anyone, let alone God, um, or we can doubt the significance or, the, or God's understanding of it. But that's, of course, why God sent His Son for us, so that way He could be fully human and fully God. That's the only person that could do that. And so when he, because He is fully human, He recognizes all those hurts, the human conditions that we have of our hearts, the flesh that makes us us. And so as we grow in that, as we develop that mature, every hurt that we have, Jesus understands. He felt these emotions. He was real. Jesus wasn't just this, this superhero, this miraculous man that performed miracles. He felt what we felt, what we feel every single day. And so as we recognize that, I know that we will sustain a love throughout the years. Someone say amen. 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 So with that here, I'm closing out here. And so I will bring up uh, Pastor R here just to close.